0: This is Marco Royce. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin.
1: Hello, this is Jaden Sancho.
0: And you're listening to the Yellow World Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 336 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm, as always, your host Stefan Butzko for today. And we will overhype the 5-0 cup win against third-tier side MSV Duisburg on this episode and preview Saturday's top-spiel against Borussia Mönchengladbach. And for all that and more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing?
2: Hello, Stefan. I'm doing well because it's not snowing this week in Colorado. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we're getting a basically weekly weather updates by Matthias Zug. I feel like I need to get a get a jingle for that. Like, weather update by Matthias <laughs> Yeah, it's,
2: it's replaced the rant because the season hasn't started yet, so all I have is the weather.
0: Yeah, and, and the 5-0 N- uh, win uh, against Duisburg, so I don't think there are too many things to rant about that either. Um, also here, and I don't know if he's full of snow or full of rants. Uh,
1: we we will see. Abel Meschros, hello, Abel, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no snow. Uh, I think rants are. I don't know. Matthias's uh, forte on this podcast, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, for inviting me again and uh, ready to talk about uh, Duisburg, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah, everyone is allowed to rant on this podcast. Uh, just just as a disclaimer. Um, That being said, uh, before we rant, uh, Abel, please, for uh, our new listeners, uh, introduce yourself.
1: Okay, so I'm uh, Abel Messer, I'm Hungarian-American, who actually is a lifelong sort of Dortmund fan, and uh, I'm a TV analyst for uh, AMC Sport 1 in Hungary, and I write for a variety of sites uh, and I have a newsletter which is called the Bundesliga Bulletin on Substack and uh, occasionally I uh, am on invited to to this podcast to uh, much of to to great enjoyment by by everybody but mostly me
0: yeah cool thanks for doing that usually it's uh, my job to do it but uh, ev- everyone has such a long vida that I never know what to say and what not to say so I'll just uh, force everyone to do it themselves so people also know the voice behind it. Very, very smart, I know. Anyway, uh, on to our sponsor segment.
2: Wir sind schuldenfrei. Wir Euro an Zinsen.
0: All right, so this episode is sponsored by <coughs> Jordan Hunt. Uh, he wants everyone to know that he is very excited about Jude Bellingham and how he will fare this season. And Jordan sends uh, his regards to everyone who is listening to this show and Lars and Constantine, Matthias, Abel, and your favorite host. So uh, thank you, Jordan. And uh, if you want to be a sponsor for an episode, uh, get a shout out. Go to patreon.com slash for more information. And uh, due to our patrons thanking us with their uh, financial support, uh, we have the time and space to do cool things like this as we dive into the uh, Duisburg segment.
2: On his 100th Dortmund appearance, Jaden Sancho breaks the deadlock from the spot. Hazard, oh, lovely back heel to Jude Bellingham on his debut for his debut goal for Borussia Dortmund. Deflected off the wall, it's found the top corner. Picked that one out from Torgen Hazard. It's 4-0 Dortmund and Giovanni Reina's got in in the goal-scoring act. Well, here is the moment everyone's been waiting for: Marco Royce marking his return, taking over the captain's armband. Here is Marco Royce, fresh off the bench, to make it five.
0: Yeah, there was uh, James Thorogood you heard there, who is now commentating um, the uh, Dortmund games uh, and and, uh, on on the international feed. I think alongside Patrick Ovomoyela this time, and uh, obviously people do know him from. Bundesliga-famous podcast, Talking Fußball, and uh, a podcast where uh, also Abel is featured. Um, anywho, uh, let's move on with the game and what we saw. This time was the very first uh, lineup of the season, obviously. Uh, we had hits and Goal, we had Akanji, Hummels and John on the back three, and then we had Hazard as a wing back uh, and Bellingham, Witzel, the double pivot, Mounier on the right side as a wing-back, and then we had Sancho, Reyna, and Haaland. Uh, a very exciting lineup, uh, Matthias. Your initial thoughts uh, and reactions to uh, the team sheet.
2: Berlin, Berlin, wir fahren nach Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody heard that Duisburg fan, right? Who was, who was singing that? Um, no, I thought it was an uh, interesting team sheet. It's the right time to kind of try something out. I mean, um, it You know, when you're playing, I mean, I know they played, what, 60 minutes against Deucebook a few weeks ago um, in some weird made-up cup thing. And uh, it was 5-1, so this was a better result. Jude Bellingham, I thought it was interesting to start with him, um, but uh, it obviously proved the right choice. Um, I thought it was a thoroughly deserved good match and victory um, what I thought was interesting was James Thorogood, you know, asking Uvo Mouyela, like, so what are the positives that uh Duisburg can pull from this game? And Uvo basically <laughs> said, Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They need to just pretend like it never happened, uh, because really everything went wrong for Duisburg. They I almost felt bad for them. Almost,
0: almost. <laughs> I mean, there, uh, there's just not much uh, positives to say about Duisburg in general, especially the city. It's one of the ugliest towns, only second to Gelsenkirchen in the Ruhr area. So, um, yeah, uh, obviously a shame that they are playing in the third tier and now they nearly got promoted to second division. But uh, then due to the Rona after that uh, uh, intermission, they sort of uh, faltered. Um which is kind of sad, but uh, since Matthias didn't give too many uh, reactions on that uh, lineup sheet, uh, maybe of players that are in uh Abel, I'll just uh, defer that one to you then.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hazard being the wing back is something you guys, I think, brought up, brought up in our last podcast, and uh, I kind of nodded my head in agreement as I was listening to that, that, yeah, he's got the requisite athleticism and discipline and against the times, like at, at a team like Duisburg, which, you know, basically didn't really have a lot of the ball. I think they had it with like 25% possession, although, yeah, playing a man down, I mean, but very typical sort of, you know, zweite Liga side that sits back in like 4 4, one, one, four, four two, and tries to counter. Um it it won't be a huge problem because Dortmund just going to have the ball and and he's can he can just basically be like a, a winger anyway. Like positionally, he's not going to be too too further back. I, I kind of saw like Witzel, like prior to the red card, playing more in a deeper role, like a, almost like a single pivot, and Bellingham played more like a number eight who came back and collected the ball and. You know, obviously, progressive through the zones. Sancho would do it sometimes as well. Um, so yeah, again, like there's, you know, you already got a back three, and then they, they just, mostly just play with like one one striker, Vincent Ferme. Um, it's it's almost like superfluous to have too many of those guys back there. Um, uh, Minier put in, like, in the beginning, I thought he had, like, really strong spells and did not seem to attack down the right with through through Minier and got in some crosses. Um, Haaland, to me, had a pretty quiet game. I wouldn't say like a bad game, because he did get that red card, but aside from that, he was seemed like he was not... I mean, he mm-hmm. was in good shape against the, in the Nations League, so I wouldn't say, like, he wasn't in good form, but maybe he just wasn't up for it or whatever. And then, yeah, the game was pretty much uh, over very quickly. Um, once, uh, once like the thirty, thirty, like I guess basically the, the red card and the hazard deflected free kick, then uh, it just seemed like it was an exhibition match after that.
0: Yeah, to me, I ar- already felt over after uh, the Bellingham goal. To be honest, uh, when it was yeah. two nothing, I didn't really feel that spoke had too many chances to get back into this because someone just looked so dominant throughout the game there wasn't uh, really any minute they really let off maybe maybe in the last half hour or so um but uh otherwise uh you know it, it, w- it was a very uh professional side I mean Emre can said after the game this is sort of solo game where you can only lose and uh, Dortmund didn't do any of that um Matthias I know it's only against the third tier side and he's only 17 years old so uh I, I really need to try to keep the, high as, uh, the hype as low as possible. Uh, and yet, it, it was really a very encouraging performance by Jude Bellingham.
2: Clearly Ballon d'Or winner 2022. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, he, he played exceedingly well. Um, you know, I, I had to check myself a few times. Be like, are you sure he's 17-year-old? child, essentially. I mean, he can't drive a car in Germany, for crying out loud. Uh, But he played... Yeah, I mean, his yellow card was kind of that childish childish frustration thing that if he's 27, he may not get a yellow card for kicking a ball that was out of play into the side netting. But uh, overall, he played very, very well. Yes, against an inferior opponent. Uh, And that's why I thought it was a good decision for Lucien Favre to play him. It's the kind of game to get a certain rhythm built up because there are other players in the squad that can play centrally. They can just plug in. They have the experience with German teams and playing in Germany and playing uh, with their other Dortmund teammates that uh, Bellingham doesn't have yet. So uh, I thought he played very, very well. I thought Gio Reyna played well. The combination was good there and it does. I'm not going to say I'm concerned for Julian Brandt because, I mean, it was I mean, basically 60 minutes against a 10-man third-tier side. Um, but uh, there is plenty to choose from there, which is kind of what we talked about last week already. So Bellingham played very, very well and very mature.
0: Yeah, I have to say, uh, Lucifabre after the game uh, really uh, praised Bellingham's ability to uh, accelerate the game. And I think this is something that's... Uh, Dortmund obviously need, especially uh, as a player that plays next to Axel Witzel, who can really slow things down uh, on, on his day. Um, Abel, do you think that uh, the combination of uh, Bellingham's playmaking style and, and ability and his defensive prowess, which we saw quite well already against Duisburg, he is good in counter-pressing, he knows how to tackle, he knows how to use his body, his anticipation is good... Uh, his positional play, I mean, he's already played a lot of professional games, I think 41 championship games or so, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. for a 17-year-old, I think it's it's uh, fair to say that's pretty outstanding. Um, I've seen other 17-year-olds try to position themselves in central midfield and not do such a good a job. And um, Do you think because of the combination of those two things, offense and defense, that he has really an edge in the long term over someone like Julian Brandt, who excels in the attacking department, but m- might be lacking defensively or Thomas Delaney who obviously uh really can be a sweeper and a box to box player um but uh, you know isn't the, the one who always plays the killer pass.
1: Um yeah I mean like I, I jokingly I think it was Luca, who, former guest on this podcast, like we were were talking and I jokingly sent him a a tweet saying something like, or a message saying like, Julian ran to Norwich in in the winter or something, uh, which is obviously really mean. Uh, But, uh, you know, the the amount of truth in that there is, is, I guess, non-zero just in the sense of like how how good Bellingham was. And it reminded me of like a Gundogan meeting, like a, I don't know, like a, like a prime money bender kind of mix of, um guy as you mentioned can do all <laughs> everything biz- with the ball um and at 17 uh and it's like yeah it's Duisburg but like you know uh it just the physicality is still there uh the pressing is still there like they did 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 come out strongly and just the ease with which he plays and how progressive he plays i think that's a really good point you made about Witzel who to me had a good game but he usually always has a good game in the beginning of the season <laughs> um, and uh, yeah like the the athletic portion of the contest kind of ended uh, early, but yeah, it's, it's it was it was basically uh, Bellingham's game. And was he? I, I don't I don't know if I wanted to ask you guys, but like, what was the reason for the substitution for him? The was it just because of like p- being on yellow? Yeah, okay, yeah, because uh, I I think like yeah, it's 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 a commanding performance and and something that uh, obviously getting the goal which was a little bit lucky but obviously you know uh you need you need to be there in those situations so that was great i mean i the, like the little bit I, I watched him a little bit like pretty much because everybody knew he was signing for Dortmund and 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 he played like different positions and a lot of times he played like a like a, a winger in a four four two at times sometimes he played centrally and but that's kind of the thing with him is that it's it's like crazy that he's 17 just for like how mature he is and typically like you know you don't really get a lot of i guess i mean with dortmund you get some mature um 16 17 year old central midfielders like nuri shine or somebody but um he's he's also like just just positionally really really smart and it, it it's it's like it's not that like you can't really like think of one skill that he has but he just has like so many Translatable skills in like ball progression, tackling, finishing, uh, you know, dribbling, 1v1 uh, defending, just position- positional awareness. Uh, that, that, like, some, like, there are players that they're never going to get to that level where, where he's already at, which, which, I think even like Bundesliga players, which is, which is really, really scary.
0: Yeah. Konstantin uh, mentioned on uh, last week's episode that his finishing ability, uh, is yeah, he yeah, shouldn't shoot, yeah. Yeah, he shouldn't shoot. Uh, obviously, that uh, was a nice reverse jinx, or, or jinx actually, by Constantine by uh, because uh, he obviously scored. And as you say, it was a little bit lucky, but uh, I, I think probably my favorite goal of the bunch, just because of the uh, back heel and the build-up by Hazard, was just uh, a very uh, nice goal to score. And uh, it's, it's, it's very nice for him. Um, Matthias, thoughts on Jaden Sancho taking the ball uh, in this 100th, I think, professional game for Borussia Dortmund, uh, taking a penalty? I was a bit surprised because I I completely expected Haaland to take the the shot after, I think, the the handball or whatever it was in the box.
2: Yeah, uh, I kind of expected the same, but Sancho brimming with confidence, can't really fault him, and, you know, I... I, I thought, you know, Holland would maybe be like, no, I, I need to score a goal. But um, yeah, I I don't really, I didn't read anything into it other than, oh, it's not Holland. Well, Ovenwieler said that this is pitch.
0: sort of uh, part of Jane Sancho trying to take more responsibility in, in this season. That okay. could be.
2: That could be. I mean, uh, you know, stepping up, showing a level of maturity. Because he's, you know, with all the discussions around Manchester United, I think we can all feel pretty confident that he's not going anywhere this season but that he's going after the season so this is kind of putting him in that position where it may not be manchester united it may be a bigger even bigger club uh and so showing that he's maturing and can take on a leadership role yeah i can see that argument
0: yeah uh i don't know we'll 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 see just just a quick observation uh but um, this was obviously the first time I th- I thought Fabre brought his A game, meaning that in the, in the friendlies before we always saw like mixed teams. Yeah. Um, I thought that the balance and structure of this team in a in a three four three system or so or, or th- wh- whatever you want to call it. I mean it's it it's uh, very flexible in various shapes and forms. So over ninety minutes and then switched around a little bit. Um. But overall, uh, before we talk about the substitutes, uh, how how did you like it?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I, the only thing because I, I, I was doing the TV thing for for this for this game, and and um, we usually just like you know request certain actions from from the the. During the match, and, it's it. and there was only like one action where I think it was uh, Ahmed Engin, who's like one of their wingers for Duisburg, who beat uh, I think it was Chan and Mounier maybe with with one dribble. But you know, it was basically they had a two v one, and with Dortmund being in numerical superiority, but uh, so that means that like the the structure of the defense was good, but just individual quality got them, and that was really the only only thing that they they had, and they they may maybe they ended up with another shot that I don't really recall, but. Whenever you have stuff like that and you keep the opponent to like 25% possession, and you know, like I think they were limited to four crosses in a game, which, which just means that they're even like nowhere near in a position to even cross the ball from. So that means that your defensive <laughs> minus tactics the one were moment really where, where and... Hazard didn't uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, at yeah. the long ball, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, just just like you no, know, um, that, that just means that uh, like. The, just the counter pressing was so good. I think like Dortmund made four clearances on the day, which, which is like, you know, it's, that's, that's, it just means like, like the it was just never in Dortmund's box. I mean, I, I don't even remember like if Marvin hits was actually playing in this game. I mean, it says on the team sheets that he was, and I, I know that he was because of Birki not being there, but, uh, I don't think we ever saw him like on camera or whatever. Um, and that's, that's, I think it's an underrated part of the Favre defensive system, because I think we, we, we give him a lot of flack for like when it doesn't work, but it's also like, you know, and, and, and normally his teams are um, a lot more happy to allow shots. And I, I thought like that, 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 that may be another change in approach. I think you guys t- talked about this last time about the pressing, that it's finally kind of there. and, you know, Favre is definitely not a pressing or a high pressing coach, uh, but it seemed like, and again, it could just be because it's Duisburg, uh, but uh, it seemed like that was super, super active and 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 really, really effective, and not even getting Duisburg to to get into Dortmund. half
0: yeah, we'll we'll hold our breath for uh, how much uh, Dortmund will press or not press for the Gladbach game. I think uh, that will be much more of yeah. an indicator. Um, because uh, the last game against Gladbach was where uh, mainly I think it was Gladbach that was the team that pressed and uh, Dortmund uh, was attacking but uh, not uh, so much in the counter-attacking. Even though I think the the uh, first goal by Hazard was scored off a interception or something like that. Um, but back to the Duisburg game real quick, Matthias, because uh, something not completely insignificant happened, and that was uh, team captain Marco Royce returning to the field and then scoring within three seconds. Um, that's just a positive moment. Any uh, other things you can say about that, minus uh, how great the assist and the uh, technique by Royce was?
2: Well, just, you know, he comes on and he's immediately switched on. I mean, the run from that set piece... It's like he was the only one who was awake uh, in that area of the pitch because the Deucebook players sure weren't accounting for him. Uh, And that shows in a matter of seconds why a healthy Marco Reus simply makes Dortmund a better side uh, because of those types of runs, the technique, the control and the composure to score goals. So you saw everything that makes Mako Voice great in a matter of three seconds.
0: Yeah, but a quick comment on that facial hair. Yeah,
1: I, I declined. To comment. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm not the not the fashion expert. And I, I can't go fresh hair. So obviously, I'm jealous. But uh, I, the, the interesting part is that, like, I was trying to think, and maybe you guys can help me with this. But like, when was the last time Dortmund scored so many, you know, free kick goals and deflections? And I mean, you I know you always talk about how, you know, Dortmund doesn't have a Set piece taker, or I mean, maybe that's changed a little bit, but that 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 was kind of my thing. in, in, in this this match is that you know, okay, maybe not the penalty, but but the 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 the, the Dazaar goal, the, the Reina one, and the the Royce ones, like th- three of them in a row. I, I, I don't even remember that might might even happen in the season.
0: Yeah, uh, I was I was just gonna say uh, you you know I was gonna make a joke about that. That's it's kind of dumb of Dortmund to waste all their direct free kick goals uh, for the first game <laughs> against the thirtieth side. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, I I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to see Dortmund score a direct free kick uh, in in the first place. And yeah, I I do count the penalty. So basically, it is for set piece goals uh, or for dead ball goals or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. Uh, not not going to lie. Um, I still don't know who the uh, third or fourth goal was attributed to that Reina slash Witzel squad. I think they gave it to Reina. <laughs> yeah which is obviously uh nice and uh, but uh, I I don't know what the what the rules are uh for for these things but uh, nevertheless uh nice for Dortmund to score in in many different ways and forms that's uh, usually what a strong team uh um yeah is is known for that they find many ways to to kill you um Matthias, uh, before we move on to the Gladbach game, uh, maybe a quick thought on Heine's debut for Dortmund? I,
2: I thought he did well. I mean, it's he didn't necessarily overly stand out in my mind now that I'm thinking back on it. Um, but yeah, it was, again, at that point in this type of match against this opponent with that scoreline you may as well throw the kid in there and just kind of get a competitive match under his belt so other than that I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it to be honest
0: yeah neither do I really I I I don't know if I I started to snooze but uh, I don't really have many things to say (laughs) but if if there's one quick note you want to say then you can do so if not we'll just move on
1: no it's it's hard to make much of it because okay. the game was already out of reach,
0: all right, so yeah, moving on, uh Dortmund obviously hosts Gladbach on Saturday for the first match day. Uh, I think Dortmund had their first games against Gladbach for uh, uh, with with uh, tuchel and and Bosch, if I'm not mistaken, oh God, should have looked this up before I said it uh, but um yeah, it's it's really is a top spiel because Gladbach right now uh, to me. Maybe the third or fourth best team in the division next to RB Leipzig and maybe a little bit behind Dortmund, but I assume that uh, it will be a neck-and-neck race between Dortmund and Gladbach throughout the season because I I really do rate them. Um, That being said... uh, First, let's take a look at the personnel. Uh, Guerrero and Bürki are doubtful for Dortmund. And Lucien said that uh, he will be very careful with Marco Reus. So I assume he will feature in the squad, but uh, uh, won't play from the beginning. Uh, at the same time for Gladbach, Dennis Zakaria is out. So is uh, Valentino Lazaro, And uh, reporting back fit are Alessandro Plea and Markus Turam. So that's good news for Gladbach's attack. Um, but before we talk about the game itself, I think it's, uh, worth, uh, noting that this is the first game where, uh, there will be some fans in the stand again. Uh, I'm not counting the 300 Duisburg fans that were handpicked, but, uh, there will be 10,000, uh, <laughs> fans, uh, and, and, Dortmund fans sourced locally, <laughs> uh, <laughs> from the city of Dortmund, um, if, if so many, uh, apply for a ticket. Uh, that's how many people are allowed. Uh, and it's kind of funny that uh, the last uh, game that Dortmund played in front of a full crowd was also the uh, game against Gladbach. So, um, yeah, not not much to make of that other than uh, it's, it's nice to see. Uh, on the other hand, uh, this is only allowed for, I think, for now, for six weeks as a test period, and uh, the cities and local municipalities obviously have the last word on that which is why uh, the bayern against schalke game is still a geisterspiel so um yeah yeah it's 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 going to be very interesting but i'm very glad that uh, this probably will defeat the fake crowd noise and we will get real time reactions from actual people in the stands and uh, all just uh, positive for dortmund i guess since uh, they are urging them on um, yeah, it's, it's going to be very weird uh, in, in, in that aspect because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a long shot from a, um, from a regular Dortmund home game, but it's something. So um, with all that being said, Matthias, uh, what do you expect from match day one in the Bundesliga?
2: Um, well aside from the demonic ghost game in Munich, um <laughs> I think for, for Dortmund against Gladbach, yeah, it's it's hard to say honestly at this point what to expect. I think from a team sheet, I you know, with the um absences that you had mentioned, I think probably go with the same starting eleven against as against Duisburg given that you can make five subs, so that that helps the flexibility there if need be. Um, Gladbach, I agree with you, are really, really good, Um, and Turam and Plea will provide plenty of problems for Dortmund defensively, just given their technique, their pace, their strength, their intelligence, their movement... Um, you know, I mean, you may as well start off against a really good opponent and really test yourself, all the while knowing that it's not a typical first match day because you didn't really have a typical summer in one of the most untypical years ever. Um, But I expect this to be a very good match um, from the sense of competitiveness and quality matchup. Uh, I think... Honestly, it could go either way, in my opinion. But it won't. It won't say much for how teams are playing in ten weeks, just because things are a bit weird.
0: Yeah, that is very true. Um, aber Gladbach actually haven't really uh, done too much to their squad. Um, they have uh, ousted or, or uh, Tobias Strobel, I think, uh, went to Augsburg. <laughs> <laughs> Fabian Johnson and Raphael. I don't know if they both ended their careers, but uh, or, or retired. Um. But they are out, so it's it's a bunch of really old guys. And in is Joy Scally, right back from New York City FC. Hannes Wolf on loan, an attacking midfielder from RB Leipzig. And uh, as I previously mentioned, Valentino Lazaro, who is a right winger on loan from Inter, but uh, currently injured. Um, so uh, that's a big plus for Gladbach that uh, Max Eber. I don't know if it's due to the pandemic or not, but. Uh, Managed to keep his team together and have has a very competent coach in Max Rose to uh, Marco Rose to <laughs> uh, continue that work. So, uh, what do you make of of them in 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 that context?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like obviously last season was a pretty huge success despite sort of. The the end that they they had, and you know, obviously leading the league for nine or ten weeks, nobody really expected that from 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 Rosa and, and René Maric and Tickler and all those guys in the staff. And uh A Bird, uh, long been one of the best sort of sporting directors. And uh with Champions League coming, I feel like it made a lot of sense to keep the squad together and they probably didn't get the right offers. Obviously, it was hard to sell Zachariah because he was hurt. He still only started team training a, like a couple days ago. Um, Neuhaus to me was the other guy that I was. I am glad that they were able to hang on to, uh, and obviously Tiram, um also finished the season injured. So they they might have been a little bit fortunate because you know if if they have like a, like a good group stage in the Champions League, which is you know big if if, if you know Gladbach's history and playing uh, this sort of double blastungel, instead sort of uh, you know playing in both uh, competitions, then. Uh, yeah, they could, they could potentially make a lot more money from from a lot of those guys. And um, I guess, like, I would have been a little bit more optimistic had it not been for some of the injuries that they have to start out the season, as you mentioned, Lazaro. But I think, like, Lea uh, hasn't played yet. Dudam uh, only played in the Cup a little bit. And um, Bolo got hurt by Ginter, <laughs> of all people, in the Nations League match. So I, I think, like... Uh, because of those things, Benesh, I think, is 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 not healthy as as, as well. Um, so because of those things, like there, there's a good chance that Embolo seems seems to be ruled out of the Dortmund game, and it seems like Plea and Duram might not actually start. And they've been playing Patrick Herman up top, uh, and uh, Jonas Softman is like a almost like a secondary striker uh, with, with Stindl there as well. So uh that's 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 much more manageable and, and in that that sense it this might be like a good time for dortmund to to play Gladbach although recent history has favored Dortmund but uh it's, it's certainly like one of the teams that uh <laughs> I would not want to face. Yeah uh, Gladbach um
0: I think have lost the last ten games against Dortmund. Yeah. So um you know the longer streak goes on the likelier it is <laughs> To end, um, but uh, that being said, uh, I I think it's it's going to be a super tight game. Um, if you uh, remember all the previous games, I think uh, especially in the last season Dortmund played them thrice because once in the cup, and I yeah. I, I felt like at least two of these wins were not entirely deserved. They were the worst team yet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, uh, obviously Gladbach did miss a lot of chances in these games, but um, it is. Also, a, a team that I think suits Dortmund a little bit in in the sense that uh, it's a proactive team and, and Dortmund actually gets spaces to play into, um, which they've uh, managed to hurt Gladbach in, in, in the past. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see uh, what uh, Rose will come up with. I mean, Hermann, uh, I think, may lead the line. Uh, I don't know if Hannes Wolf uh, will start and obviously uh, Jonas Hofmann is, is around and... Uh, <laughs> I, I looked it up with uh, Zakaria being out injured. Uh, Matthias Ginter right now is the most valuable player on this team according to, or healthy player on this team according to Transfermarkt with uh, 32 millions so um, it's it's already notable from a Dortmund perspective what a uh, development Ginter has taken and uh, what a good centre-back he has become since uh, his tenure at Dortmund where he wasn't Awful, obviously, but he also wasn't good enough in in Dortmund's views. So um, I think right now Dortmund would be happy to have a player of his quality on the team. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting in 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 many aspects. Um, Matthias, do you think that uh, Dortmund will, um, as as you said before, f- field the same eleven, and and do you think that uh, as as we discussed earlier a little bit, uh, play a bit more aggressively? Do we see more counter-pressing, or is this more something we, we we see maybe with the introduction of Roy Slater in the game, who I think always scores against his ex-club, so does Hazard apparently?
2: Yeah, I I don't know about being overly aggressive. That's not really Lucien Favre's style. Um, he's obviously the Mr. Caution, and I expect it to be a cautious approach against a quality opponent. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of high-pressing and counter-pressing from the get-go. I think it'll be more to see how the the match develops and maybe getting some of that space to open up for Dortmund to utilize the speed that they do have at their disposal to kind of run into that. Um, But I do believe it'll be the same starting eleven as against Duisburg for Dortmund, Uh, so no surprises there. So... yeah I think that means Brandt is on the bench Royce would be on the bench uh of course very important um wolf on the bench um but uh we'll 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 kind of see um and as far as buy or hits i don't I don't know how how fit buy is or will be at that point i know I know Kika said that he should be back, but you you never know.
0: Yeah, so Abel, uh first of all, I-, I want to ask you if if you have any key matchups in mind that uh, listeners should look for, where where this match may be won or lost.
1: I mean, I think like the, the, there are a couple. Obviously, uh, the, the Dortmund back three against if it's like a Hermann, Hoffmann, Stindl, Hannes Hof, That that that's not like a that's not terrible actually for from a Dortmund perspective. You can you can certainly do too much work because like the the big thing with Hoffman and Wolfenstindel and is like neither of those guys are like something that you're really worried about destroying you 1v1. Patrick Herman, yeah, still got a little bit of speed and good finishing. But you know, if you're Dortmund, I think you're pretty happy that Plea and are not starting. And it's it sounded like what Rosa said at the press conference that like he doesn't wanna wear those guys out and get them hurt, and I think that's a smart move just because of the nature of this season. Now every team is just going to be playing all these uh, games right after each other. Um, I think also the the sort of double pivot for Gladbach, this, this Kramer, Neuhaus, which I, I really think Neuhaus was maybe their best player once the Corona uh, hit. Uh, he is, you know, a guy who I, I, I thought like, I, when you mentioned about Ginter being the most valuable player, I, I think you, so I would, Pay more money for my house for sure, because um, he's a guy who can do everything. Uh, but but uh, yeah, and he's gotten better at defending. But but uh, I still think that's a, that's an area where if you're if you're Dortmund's sort of the the you, you, like the double double ten with uh, like let's say it's Sancho or Reyna or whatever, and Bellingham often joins there, you can maybe overload them and certainly overwhelm them. I think one v one like Kramer, um, yeah, he's. Maybe somewhat of a disappointing, you know, uh, player. Uh, probably more of a above-average Bundesliga player, but not much else. And considering he started the World Cup final, <laughs> uh, and famous own goal, obviously, uh, so maybe that that could come in handy as well. But um, I think th- those are those are areas where where you can you can do well. And um, as well as like you know, Holland against Agintor and Elvedi, who have very good athletic qualities but i still would take haaland against most of those guys um so so there's a lot of advantages to to dortmund i think where they have some disadvantages is maybe the wings and you guys talked about how uh, dortmund are very good in the center and and and, and particularly with stevie liner and uh ben sabaini if he plays those are really really tough matchups because both of those guys can run all day and all night, and will do that. And they're going to put a lot of pressure on Hazard, especially if he has to track back against Liner. Like this is actually, this might be if Guerrero is at all fit. I, I would just play him more there. Although um, maybe you want to have more defensive position because tracking Liner is is kind of hard because he's guy. This is a guy who can just run, and um, same thing with mensabaini I. I would favor him over Munier, so potentially those those sort of uh, wings are are the, the problematic areas. But I think all other matchups are are, are favorable to to Dortmund.
0: Yeah, see, uh, I'm I'm glad your train of thought has actually led to uh, <laughs> a conclusion that Gladbach do have some areas where they can hurt Dortmund. Um, Matthias, uh, lastly, maybe. Um, in the cup match, we saw the uh, substitutions of Delaney, of Piszczek, Reus, Brandt, Hainier. Um, If you have f- five substitutions and these are the players you can bring on, that uh, tells me that you have a really strong bench. Um, do you think this is another key matchup in, in the battle against Gladbach that uh, Dortmund can just overwhelm as uh, Abel just said, uh, Gladbach with uh, more individual quality coming uh, from from the
2: bench? Yeah, I mean, if you take Thuram, uh off of that and Plea, obviously, if they're going to be starting on the bench, then there's a lot of um, parity there to a certain point. But I feel like those are really the two only ones where you come on and they can make a difference and it's going in an attacking-wise. Dolman also have the ability to bring on players to shore up centrally and defensively, where I don't really see... I'm looking at just, just the... Uh, uh, who's who's on the squad right now for Gladbach, and who's probably going to be on the bench? I don't see that type of player on the bench for Gladbach. But if Thuram and Plea are on the bench, you do have those difference makers coming for a change of pace and honestly higher quality than who's slated to start for Gladbach.
0: Yeah, against uh, Oberneuland, Gladbach brought on uh, Michael uh, Michael Michael Lang, Oscar Wendt, uh, Tony Janske and uh, Traure and Thuram. So um, it's it's not too shabby either. But um, Abel, that being said, um, how do you think the uh, toolbox of of Dortmund players available is is for Favre this season? I I know there are probably going to be a lot of injuries piling up soon, but we are we have players like uh, Paslak now. We have Marius Wolf uh, to add, and obviously uh, Mahmoud Daoud is is back from injury. So um, before we knock this on the head. Lastly, uh, how do you think Favre can utilize and, and react to different situations in the game with, with that sort of roster?
1: Um, I mean, I think, like, you know, you can, whether or not Guerrero starts, you can you can obviously always bring him in. If, if like, let's say, like, Hazard is not doing it, or as I think you mentioned, sort of, maybe... Switching, him, bringing him in for like Munier and putting Hazard, Hazard as like a right wing back. Uh, you can obviously use Wolf or Paslak. Maybe, maybe Wolf can be Wolf can be that sort of athletic um, counterpart to some of the Gladbach guys. I, I mean, he played a lot in preseason, a little too much for for my liking. Although, I mean, I, I like him as a as a person, uh, you know, uh, but uh, probably not the greatest idea if he's like prominently involved in Dortmund season and then yeah uh, Brandt, who is kind of the forgotten man kind of it's kind of the odd man out uh, he could still you know be a impact sub for sure um if you know cuz yeah when you play like 17 year olds in in midfield with Bellingham and Reyna uh, maybe they're they're not going to they're not going to have like consistency necessarily and you know brant uh, although it doesn't doesn't seem like Brunt is as great as a sub, but but you could you could do that, and then same thing with Tenier or, or, or Royce. Obviously, um, there's a lot of different options for for, for uh, Favre. Even with you know, there's like five or six guys that are injured, so uh, I still think that's a much much uh, much It's a deeper bench. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's, it's but if if Player and and Diram are on the bench, that, that, that that's maybe the top heavy uh, part more so than Dortmund but uh they really don't have anybody else whereas Dortmund you know like yeah it's it's just a lot of quality and I think uh that could be that could be the difference uh in the end uh just in like a you know week one matchup
0: yeah and uh speaking of uh, of a good bench uh that that's a good uh, segue to uh Thiago probably or or most definitely I think Rummenigge confirmed it today Leaving Bayern mm-hmm. Munich, and uh, since they're playing against the Royal Blues, we can stuff that discussion real quick in the Schalke segment. <laughs> so, Matthias, Bayern are losing uh, one of their best players, and the Bundesliga is u- losing one of the best players it has, uh, which I think might help with uh, the competitiveness. I don't know, I still think Bayern have too much for anyone else to reach them, but uh, we've discussed a little bit their roster isn't uh, the biggest and losing Thiago is obviously a huge blow. Rummenigge said that uh, he doesn't foresee uh, buying another uh, player, but uh, I think Hansi Flick has has pushed for one. So, um, I know this is the Schalke segment, but uh, uh, how how uh, uh, worse will Bayern be off without him?
2: Well, don't Bayern still have cuissons? Yeah. I mean, he's... He's amazing, right? No, um, I mean Thiago for me is one of the best and has been for a number of years. I mean, think about it; he's been at Bayern since Guardiola, so seven he's years. been there a long, long time. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, you know. I when somebody mentioned that the other day, I went, "No, he's wow, it's already been seven years." Um, he has this odd reputation as a hot and cold player and kind of going back and and looking at some of the stuff i mean yeah everybody has an off match i just don't think tiago had that many off matches and i think he's he was a little bit undervalued i don't i don't understand letting a guy like him go i mean yes um leon goretzka can squish him between his muscles uh, but at the end of the day, Goretzka is not Thiago in terms of playmaking ability. Um, I guess you know Bayern's loss is Liverpool's gain, and I don't know if it's Dortmund's game or Gladbach or Leipzig. I don't know if it'll make that much of a difference. But like you mentioned, their squad depth, a couple of injuries, they're they're going to be in trouble, uh, despite. Uh, hansi flick being an extraordinarily good coach
0: abel you had two cents
1: yeah i mean there's obviously the the build and uh basically almost even like german media agenda against Thiago. although there's obviously the backlash to that backlash now but like i, I tweeted this out that uh you know in, in sort of Psychology. There's the uh, Amos Tversky, Daniel Kahneman. They did. They, There's they, somebody came up with the behavioral economics. They, they came up with the Tversky intelligence test. It's basically uh, the quicker it takes you to figure out that he's smarter than you, um, the smarter you are. And it's like the same thing with Tiago, The quicker it takes you to realize, like he's one of the best players in football. Like the the the, the more you know about football, almost. So that, that 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 tells you how much I I rate him. Um, but. Like to to play the devil's advocate here, it's like he's 29 and he's injury prone and he would have asked for like a four-year deal when he enters age 30 and that's typically like you know not what you want to do uh because maybe some of those years are going to be you know he, he doesn't play much and uh you want to play Kimmich right like you want to kind of hand the midfield keys to Kimmich and they work great together but just the way Kukoretska came on I think it was impossible to leave him out of the side so um already there were sort of concerns even in the Champions League final that uh, were, were you going to play you know uh, all, all of those guys and Kimi kind of, you know, solved that situation by, you know, being available as a right back, but uh, that, that would have eventually been a problem. Now, Liverpool are probably, you know, to the extent that I think they were the best team in the world uh, with Bayern right there, that they might have even overtaken them once again. So it's, 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 but, but yeah, I, I agree with Matias that I think a lot of people made this point that Thiago never, like, you know, Thiago, their next nice, right, Thiago, or nothing was the Guardiola thing when he when he came on, and this is I was reading the the book Pep Confidential, which is about his first season there, and um, I, I still think that that rings true as as much as it's become sort of a cliche. So I, I think you know it's obviously a good good news for Dortmund and anybody else because it's maybe like a glimmer of hope that you can catch Bayern because like you mentioned the schedule i i looked this up that uh, they're gonna play like 23 games in 95 days or something until the winter break so it's like four you know every four days and this doesn't include uh the national team games or nations league or whatever else they might they might play so if if there is a silver lining it's it's that you might not do it with 14 players and you know, what happens if like gimmick goes down or, you know, some of those other guys are, they don't agree with Alaba because there's a lot of contract <laughs> negotiations there. So, um, that, that's kind of the only thing I could see, but, uh. Unfortunately, when you win the tr- when you win the trouble and you haven't lost the game in like I don't know ten months or something, uh, that that's that's kind of the only things you can you can hope for is injuries and scheduling and those kind of things. But uh, it's it's still going to be a long shot before anybody catches them.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy that Bayern's unbeaten streak actually uh, dates longer than Schalke's winless streak. Uh, which is (laughs) not that easy to do. Um, So, yeah, um, but I I think you make a good point, especially I feel like uh, Joachim Löw will probably be a little bit more desperate down the road when it comes to international games and having to rely more on the Bayern block because Germany right now aren't really performing that well. Uh, So, uh, you know, I I think as as the urgency comes more and more into play, I, I think he'll also try to recall... As many Bayern players as possible, but uh, obviously, just a just a quick segment on 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 that topic. Um, just to mention it for Schalke, they will be out. Uh, they will be without Zanni and Nastasic for that game. So, um, yeah, good luck, guys. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I think that's a good moment to wrap things up. So once again, uh, you two, thank you for coming on and uh, predictions. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I was segueing to. So uh,
1: oh,
2: okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Jump the
1: gun. No, it's there a fine.
0: Bit. You can you can go ahead, Matthias. If 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 you're so so eager to get the first prediction of the season wrong or the second one, go ahead.
2: I think it's going to be a 6-0. <laughs> okay, for who? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry for Bayern against Schalke. I thought we were still oh, on. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Nice, uh, okay. Nice. okay. No. no. Okay. I, I, I think I think someone on the Bayern team will actually score the extra points, so I'm gonna say 7-0. Abel.
1: Oh for that one? Um I think I think they're gonna they're gonna win by like four nothing or something.
0: Yeah. Alright, boring. Anyway, let's move on to the real predictions. Uh, Abel, how uh, high are Dortmund going to win or lose against Gladbach or will they draw?
1: Um, I think they're gonna win, but it'll be like uh Like a 3-1 or something. Uh, I think it could be just because of what we discussed of where Gottbach are in this season and uh, they're kind of slowly finding their way back into it. And Dortmund seem to have, you know, after what was a lackluster kind of preseason, they seem to have come out pretty strong. So I'll go with that.
0: All right. Uh, Abel has been sabotaged by the overhyping of the cup match. Matthias, uh, what's your prediction?
2: I think it's going to be a tight match. I think uh, Dortmund win two uh, one, not necessarily comfortably. Uh, I think Holland and Royce both uh, score, but it's it's going to be tight. It's going to be close. And again, if Royce is scoring, is coming off the bench so um a l- little bit of late drama i think in this match
0: all right i i foresee a lot of high quality chances in this game on both sides which is why i'm going to go with a 3-2 win because i feel like uh uh the uh, the the luck and, and the chance will will uh, say that uh uh, yeah, both teams will be rather prolific in front of gold. So 3 2 from me. Uh, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed that uh don't want actually start with a W into the season. And now, Matthias, you can please tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on the Bird app.
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthias That's M A T T H I S S U U C K. And no, I'm not stuttering.
1: All right, aber yeah i'm uh i'm at uh, bundespl and uh yeah i just have that newsletter that i've been doing a lot of bundesliga previews for including one on dortmund actually did one on gladbach as well so that that actually will be up a little bit later but uh yeah twitter bundespl
0: yeah please uh, check out uh, the uh, content that abel is churning out because it's uh very uh deep and informational so uh Please do that. Uh, also, I think you just recorded with uh, the one and only Konstantin Eckner. Yep. So that it, I can confirm that. Yep. So please plug that as well if you want.
1: Oh, uh, that will be coming out for Spielverlagerung, uh, but uh, that's up to Konstantin uh, when, oh. when that is. But it's basically like a, a more general Bundesliga preview. But uh, given that the season starts tomorrow uh, on, on Friday, so it, I think that should come out uh, fairly soon. Oh so he interviewed you Yeah we we've been I mean we've been recording podcasts with him on like a couple of different leagues and uh we realized that we hadn't hadn't done the Bundesliga uh, <laughs> so we basically Talked about the top four. Um, I think some of the other interesting teams, like some 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 moves. Like actually, we did we had a Schalke segment, which was which was great fun. Uh, <laughs> I think we, we made some we some made some jokes at Schalke's expense. So, uh, we ticked that box, and then uh, yeah, did, did some other stuff on Union Berlin and some of the other things. But uh, yeah, that should be out on uh, spielverlagerungs website, and I mean we will share that on social media as well
0: yeah uh, making fun of shark is all i need to hear for me to have this subscription anyway you can find me on twitter as well at stefan butzko you can find all of us at yellow Wallpot on twitter and facebook and uh, like i said before if you want to contribute financially uh, read our uh, paywalled written content that's usually uh, written by me uh, also for for one buck uh, a month you can do that on patreon.com slash the yellow wall um if you want to subscribe to this show in in the various means and way please uh subscribe to our youtube channel uh i think if you just hit the yellow wall or yellow wall pod into the search engine or uh youtube you'll find it otherwise uh, you will also find soundcloud stitcher and uh, spotify itunes and whatnot so uh yeah As always, thank you for listening and we shall be back next week with the uh, Gladbach analysis and then of course the preview for the Augsburg game. I don't know if we'll squeeze in the Super Cup preview into this as well or not. Uh, That remains to be seen, but until then, uh, thank you for listening and good.